This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for September 24th, 2020. The flyby feature on Strava is problematic. Facebook says it may pull out of Europe an intriguing Bluetooth vulnerability. Plus, drive-by download issues in Safari, but the browser catches a rogue ad. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm good. You're back home, aren't you? You had a bit of a, what would we call it, an offsite last week? Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to get away, get a little bit of uh, relaxation and refreshment. So, but uh, yeah, now back to the grind. So, yes. And, and last week we recorded our episode talking about uh, Apple's new product announcements from your vacation premises there. So you had to work during your vacation. Isn't that terrible? I had to I had to watch the Apple event actually during my vacation too but you know I I like Apple events so that was all right. We've got some interesting news this week. Before we get into this episode just a a little note that you'll probably have noticed if you're a regular subscriber we've moved the day that we released the podcast from Friday to Thursday which means we're recording on Wednesdays now instead of Thursdays. So you'll get to hear us a day earlier. If you still want to wait to the weekend, that's fine. We've got some interesting stories this week. And, you know, sometimes we have, okay, malware or an app issue or something, and things are, they they kind of fit into a template, right, the way we present them. Here's the problem. Here's someone's done something evil. Here's how it's been patched. But um, some of the stories we've got here are surprising. And this particular one about Strava, when I saw this on Twitter, I thought this was one of the most, I'm going to say interesting, because it is interesting when we look at something like this, what's happening. But this is a really dangerous privacy violation. Yeah. So someone named Mr. Andrew on Twitter um, posted about an experience that he had recently while he went out for uh, a run. He was trying out a new route and a woman passed by him. They were only next to each other for a matter of seconds. And when he got home, he said that his Strava app, which was tracking his run, automatically tagged this woman in his run. And because they apparently Strava had assumed that they were running together because they happened to be near each other uh, on their runs. And so he said, uh, if I click on her face, it shows her full name, picture and a map of her running route, which effectively shows where she lives. Now, that's pretty shocking. That's pretty scary because two people running, if they're running in opposite directions, they're only close for just a second at most. Um, Maybe if they're running in the same direction, one's running faster and passes. But this is very strange. And so this is a default uh, privacy setting. Um, They call it flyby. Flybys provide in-depth activity playbacks to anyone on Strava or the web. Flybys allow you to rewatch any activity minute by minute and see athletes who were nearby and where you crossed path. And you have to apparently opt out of this. And so, of course, the threat here is not just that you have a picture of someone in their name, but that you've seen the route that they've run, where they run to back home. So you're able to locate where they live. And these Strava maps are pretty detailed. 
Yeah, well, remember, this isn't the first time that Strava has ever come up before. Um, this was a, nope. a problem on a military base at, at one point. And uh, with uh, people who worked on that base um, accidentally revealing information about the base. Um, and uh, so this is Strava, unfortunately, kind of has a history of uh, oversharing by default. But yeah, this flyby feature, clearly this should not be on by default. But this is uh, set to who can see everyone. Your activities are accessible to you and anyone on the web. This is for the that flyby feature. Depending on your activity, uh, visibility controls, others may access your activities via flybys. So um, that means that uh, this kind of thing, just like this, uh, this guy, Andrew Seward, uh, d- discovered, this can happen to anybody unless you turn that feature off. If you are using Strava to track your runs, make sure you very carefully look at all the settings and turn things off that might seem a little concerning. Yes. And in a later tweet, um, Andrew Seward says, worth remembering that someone knowing where you live isn't the only risk. It's not even the biggest risk. It's also knowing the route, knowing where you go that's dark or secluded and at what time. And, and that is probably a regular routine. I think most people who run, they generally run at the same time every day or the same days every week, et cetera. So you're able to follow someone to specific locations. You're also able to know when they're not home which right. means if you want to get into their house, and this just makes me think of the Tom Cruise stuff. He's out there jogging along. What do they call that pool by the Washington Monument there, right? And he's out there jogging along, and some congresswoman comes by jogging the other way, and they cross. And all of a sudden, he knows where she lives, when she's home, when she's not. This is, this is pretty dangerous. I, I think the, the military-based thing we were talking about is it was either in Iraq or Afghanistan, and the sort of Strava global heat map that shows where lots of people run showed a whole lot of people running in an oval in the middle of nowhere because they were in this military base. And essentially, it gives away um, the fact that there's military. So any of these apps, um, the, the Nike app or any of these other run tracking apps, do check what the settings are because th- this is just – this is wrong. Couldn't have said it better. It's 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 scary. Okay, we'll we'll have in the second part of the show we'll have another thing about settings that you should look at on your Mac. But first, Facebook threatens to hold its breath until it turns blue. Facebook says it will stop operating in Europe if regulators don't back down. So the issue here is there are 400 million Facebook users in Europe and Josh was very surprised that the United States is not the leading country for Facebook. European regulators are cracking down on Facebook's ability to transfer data across the Atlantic. So we've talked about GDPR a number of times. And when that came into effect a couple of years ago, one of the rules was that data for people in the EU has to remain in the EU. Facebook is saying we need to be able to transfer that data to other countries because advertisers are looking for certain profiles. Say you want to advertise running shoes, right? You want to find people who are running and they claim that they need this data. Yeah. And, and, and it, it specifically is about the location of the data and sharing it across countries, right? That's the main It's where thing. the data is stored and, and yeah. shared. Yeah. That the data is not supposed to leave the EU. Right. So there's multiple issues here, but it seems like it's mostly revolved around where the data is stored and where it's allowed to be transmitted to uh, outside of the uh, the country of the of the, the EU citizen. That's uh, that's where this gets um, 
a little bit complicated, but basically, yeah, Facebook is is saying, no, we need to be able to share this data for advertising purposes. That's how we make money. And what they could be doing is probably anonymizing it in a little bit better way so that it would be possible to still target people from a certain demographic without really it having to be tied to that individual. So there's probably some things that Facebook could be doing a little bit better here in that regard. And because they don't want to budge, it it sounds like this is what's going on, that basically they don't want to budge on this. And so they're threatening to just pull out of all of Europe if it comes to that. And I I think, I don't know, they may be overplaying their, their cards here. I I don't, I don't think that they, it's, it sounds like it because they're saying that we need to be able to do what you've made illegal for our income. And the European union regulators are probably saying, okay, uh, because it's clearly illegal. (laughs) Yeah. And what's next? So you were surprised before the show, we were looking to see what the largest countries uh, were for Facebook users. You were surprised to find that, weren't you? Yeah. So the, the, the number one, according to um, Statista, uh, their website says that India is actually the number one country on Facebook um, with 290 million uh, Facebook users. And then the U S is number two at 190. So like, I, I guess I'll say this. Individually, looking at at each European country, they may not have a lot of tens of millions necessarily, but combined, all of Europe um, being you know somewhere between three and four hundred million uh, Facebook users. I mean, that's more than even the number one country of India. So. Yeah. And so the third most popular country is Indonesia with 140 million. Then comes Brazil at 130. We tend to be U.S. centric or European centric, depending on where we live, but we don't realize how popular some of these things are in other countries. Right. So you've discovered an interesting Bluetooth vulnerability. And this is one of these. It's actually a kind of Tom Cruise thing, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of. Well, okay. Now, I didn't discover it. This was actually uh, researchers at Purdue University who discovered this. Right. Well, you <laughs> discovered an article about it. So that's already... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I found the article. Um, so Blisa is the name of this new Bluetooth vulnerability. Um, there's, there's Blisa, been... B-L-E-S-A. Yes. Bluetooth Low Energy Spoofing Attack. Exactly. Yes. So uh, there's a lot of Bluetooth vulnerabilities that get discovered uh, and patched. And most of the time, Bluetooth vulnerabilities have something to do with the pairing process, which is when you very first establish a connection between, for example, your AirPods and your iPhone. That's typically where these attacks lie is during that pairing process. So basically that means you can get around a lot of these attack scenarios just by making sure that you're doing your pairing in an area where you're not near anybody else or other Bluetooth devices. So this vulnerability is a bit different because instead of going after that pairing process, it's attacking a different part of the Bluetooth communication process. Imagine that you leave your your iPhone charging on on your desk and you walk away and you've got your AirPods in and you're still listening to music or maybe you're on a phone call or something like that. If you walk just far enough away, maybe into a different room or a different part of a building, you may drop that connection and you may lose lose the call. You may not be able to to uh, continue to hear or or uh, have the other person hear you. Um, and when you 
quick, if you do it quick enough, you can probably re-enter the Bluetooth range and still maintain that call. And uh, so that that whole process of uh, of reestablishing a connection is what's being attacked with this Blisa attack. Um, and in this case, researchers found that they were able to basically become a man in the middle to insert themselves in in a privileged position and be able to intercept Bluetooth communications between a Bluetooth accessory and the device that they're connected to. And what we discovered, I had always thought of Bluetooth as being as having a 10-meter range, but um, we discovered some information that the range can be 400 up to even 1,000 meters a kilometer, um, obviously in ideal conditions, line of sight, et cetera. But you no longer have to be very close to someone in order to be able to do this sort of thing. Right. It's not the 10-foot range that you might expect because a lot of times we kind of assume that for, with Bluetooth because we've experienced that sort of disconnection or or the, the fade out of, you know, with Bluetooth headphones or that kind of a thing. In some cases, Bluetooth can be accessible over a much longer range. This is a much more interesting attack than we usually see with Bluetooth. Um, now, thankfully, the researchers found that uh, although there were, are billions of devices that are affected by this, uh, they, they did find that the iOS Bluetooth stack was vulnerable, and they reported it to Apple. And Apple actually fixed this way back in March. And now they're finally releasing information to the public about this because, uh, <laughs> well, Android is still not patched. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's one of the problems with Android is you don't always get updates to the operating system. Well, e- even the most recent version of Android hasn't been patched for this. That's the, su- the really surprising thing. As of a month ago when they released this paper, um, and this just sort of came to light in the news cycle um, uh, just this past week. So um, if you've got the latest version of iOS, if you're running iOS 14, or even uh, if you haven't quite upgraded to iOS 14 yet, and you're still running 13 point something, as long as it's 13.4 or later, then you're not vulnerable to this particular Bluetooth uh, issue. Um, However, there are many devices out there that are still uh, potentially vulnerable. And, uh, and so if somebody was really trying to target you and intercept your communication, um, they potentially could do that, especially if you're using an Android device, that's, I would say probably the most vulnerable scenario. Now they don't say anything about Macs in this research paper. Um, but based on what Apple patched at the same time. So Apple did release a security update for Mac OS at the same time as this iOS update. And they did not, uh, patch that particular issue. They, there were a whole bunch of different Bluetooth issues that were patched at that time on Mac OS and only one on iOS. And they were very different from each other. So it seems like, um, the iOS and Mac OS probably use different Bluetooth stacks is what I'm getting out of that. I'm not a developer. I don't know that for sure, but that's what it looks like is going on. So Mac does not seem to be vulnerable. And if you have a new enough version of iOS, you're not vulnerable. But Windows and, and certain Linux distributions are vulnerable. Uh, certain Linux uh, distributions and Android are vulnerable. Windows, interestingly, was never vulnerable because Microsoft chose. Oh, okay. Yeah, Microsoft chose to actually implement this in a more secure way. the The problem here is that the Bluetooth standard is a little bit unclear about how this process is supposed to work, and so Microsoft d- uh, defaulted to. 
assuming that the most secure scenario should be the right one. And uh, and not everybody has done that. So Microsoft actually did it right, surprisingly, <laughs> while uh, everyone else kind of did it wrong. But at least Apple did fix this quite a while ago. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some drive-by download issues in Safari. You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac either in Boot Camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today, and when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount. Don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, before we get to the Safari issue, um, you may remember a couple of times we've talked about Firefox Send. It was a service that would allow you to send for free large files to people. It was encrypted. I think you could add a password. You could set a date for the end of the downloads availability. And this was exploited by people serving malware. And we talked about it not long ago. I think it was in July when I wrote an article about how to send files securely. We mentioned that there's a paragraph in the article saying that we would recommend Firefox Send if it comes back because it's a really good service. Well, Firefox has now killed off Send. Yeah, this is unfortunate because this, uh, you know, Firefox uh, Mozilla Foundation is uh, the company behind Firefox and Firefox Send. And, um, you know, they're very privacy focused. That's one of the the things that they're really well known for, um, similar to, to Apple, I suppose. And uh, so that's one of the, the services that was easy to recommend to people for sending large files. Um, they, they had some really good features, but now unfortunately they're going away. Um, and basically the reasoning behind this is, um, uh, that Mozilla had, uh, uh, to lay off a number of employees and basically the engineers who would have been working on, uh, re-engineering Firefox send to make it safe and not as susceptible to being used for, for malware attacks and things. Uh, those engineers basically are ones that either got laid off or reassigned. And so Firefox send, unfortunately, is going away. But there are other services, as Kirk mentioned, he's got an article on the Mac security blog, uh, where you can read about some of the other services that do still exist and are really useful for sending large files. Okay, an interesting story came out today. This is on 9to5Mac. Websites asking you to allow downloads? Here's the solution. So someone I know, Dave Mark, who runs The Loop with Jim Dalrymple, um, posted something earlier on Twitter saying his cat was next to his computer, and all of a sudden he saw this dialogue. Do you want to allow downloads on blah, 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 safeframe.googlesyndication.com? And he thought somehow his cat 
stepped on the keyboard and, and managed to, you know, press a couple keys. But it's actually not his cat's fault. Um, good to know we can't blame cats for everything. It turns out that there is a rogue ad that's in the Google ad network that can actually run drive-by downloads. In Safari, by default, the setting for websites is to ask you if you want to allow downloads. If you do allow downloads on a site, that setting remains to allow. You can't just allow downloads uh, on an ad hoc basis. So imagine that you've accidentally allowed downloads from this domain, and later um, a down you go to a website and there's an ad that serves a file and it downloads automatically. Now, fortunately, uh, in this particular case, the ad is only serving a text file. But I was wondering, could this be someone just trying it out to see how it works before serving malware? What I think is really interesting about this is that in this case, this is a, a Google ad that's actually serving up a file to you. Um, this is not something that should have ever happened. This uh, <laughs> evidently got past Google somehow. And although, yeah, it's just a text file in this case, you're right. It could actually be serving up malware potentially. Um, and that's probably exactly what's going on here is that someone was experimenting with this uh, to find out whether they could use Google in this way. Um, hopefully this is something that Google will, you know, very quickly patch and won't be an issue in the future, uh, at least with Google advertisements. But, um, but this is a, a real potential problem because imagine that you, you, you got this dialogue box and maybe you got this dialogue box on a download page where you were actually expecting a website to be giving you a file. Um, you, you would have no reason not to click allow because you would think that that's how you were going to get this download that you were trying to get. Especially because if you look at the dialogue, we'll link to the article in 9to5Mac. If you look at the dialogue in question, it's this kind of random number string, um, dot save frame dot Google syndication dot com. Now, you've probably downloaded software that's, um, you've been on, you know, the World Company Inc.'s software site and you're downloading their app, but it's being served from aw3.something.something.amazon.com. So this is Amazon's, um, you know, cloud service. So your downloads don't always come from the domain of the site you're on. Exactly. Well, and plus Google is in this domain name. And and in fact, yeah. googlesyndication.com is an actual Google domain. Um, so yeah. it sounds legit to to some degree anyway. And, uh, you know, but this could be a potential problem. Thankfully, as as of right now, it's not being used to actually serve malware to anybody. So um, so that is a positive thing. And hopefully Google will fix this quickly and it won't be an issue, at least with Google. But it is something to be aware of. Uh, if you're using Safari, you will get these prompts, uh, you know, if a website is trying to download a file onto your computer. So make sure you're very careful about um, whether to allow or not in those cases. And so this gives us an opportunity to talk about the article I have on the Indigo Mac security blog, Save Safari Settings for Websites You Visit Often. If you go to Safari Preferences and then you click Websites, you'll see a number, about a dozen um, different types of I guess, features in the sidebar, reader, content blockers, autoplay, page zoom, camera, microphone, et cetera. And one of them is for downloads. If you click downloads, you'll see at the top currently open websites. So if you have any pages or tabs open, you'll see the websites there. And below that, you'll see configured websites. So these are any websites where you have allowed downloads or you have denied downloads. Um, at the bottom of the window, when visiting other websites, you have three options, ask, deny, and allow. 
Ask is the safest. You don't want to deny because sometimes you do want to download either an app or a PDF file. But the problem is once you click allow for a website, it remains as allow in configured websites. So I recommend you go through all of these websites and anywhere you don't regularly download files, um, just click the name of a site and click remove to get rid of them or select them all. Um, select the first one, press the shift key, scroll down to the bottom, select the last one, and remove them all. And it just means that you'll get asked again the next time you go to these websites. Right, exactly. That's assuming that you leave the setting, the default, down at the bottom of that window. It says, when visiting other websites, ask. And Yes, you, you should not. I, I think that's the only way to do it. You don't want to allow everything. You don't want to deny everything because sometimes you do want download. So ask is probably the most realistic. Right. So at the same time, go through these settings because there are some other useful settings. Um, I use the page zoom setting for a number of websites where the fonts are a little bit too small. Now, you can access settings for individual sites if you right-click uh, in the address bar in Safari and then choose settings for this website. You get a little pop-up that lets you choose all the settings that you're going to see in these preferences. So use reader when available, enable content blockers, page zoom, autoplay, camera microphone, etc. You can do this ad hoc for a website, let's say the text is too small, well, you click the you right click in the address bar, and in the page zoom, you click on the menu and you make it a little bit bigger. Uh, when you do that, that's going to be remembered in these preferences. Camera and microphone are very important, and those should always be asked. Um, there, there are a couple of websites where you're likely to use the camera and microphone. I guess if you're doing a Zoom call through the website, if you're doing Google Hangouts through the browser then you would get that. Um, but otherwise, you don't want to allow anything like that. That's some really good advice. And there's a lot more that you can uh, can learn from this article as well. Um, so we'll have a link to that, of course, in the show notes. Uh, so you can find out about all these fun features that you can set as defaults on, on your websites. Okay, that's enough for this week. Don't forget, you're getting this on Thursday and not Friday, because we've changed the day that we publish. So if you get this on Thursday, it's not last week's episode. It's the new episode. Until next week, stay secure, Josh. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>